And a very warm welcome to God Botherers with me, Rob Bethel, the layman. And me, the Reverend Martin Little. This is a podcast for those of you who are a little bit curious about this thing called Christianity. What do Christians believe? What do Christians do? And most importantly, to be a Christian, do I have to believe in a bearded sky god? No, no you don't. So join us as we openly explore Christian ideas about life whilst hopefully having a laugh along the way. Hello Martin. Hello Rob. Good to see you again. Hello, good to see you too. Are you all right? Yeah, I'm okay. It feels like it's been a busy old time. Um I know we've had uh sort of bank holidays and all that, but I seem to have just been working. Um mm. but it's fine. You know, it's just the way it goes, but um we've had lots to celebrate and Lots of good stuff going on. So, were you invited to the coronation? No, no. Unfortunately, I, I was. Uh, I, I just missed off off the list for that. But um, mm. the, my bishop was Bishop Michael. Was um, he was one of the assisting <gasps> bishops? He the was, wasn't he? So, yeah, yeah. My goodness, what a gig! Yeah, what a gig indeed. Apparently, they practiced for days and days beforehand. Crikey! Do you think he was nervous? Yeah, I should think so. I don't think anyone wouldn't be, really, with the world watching. And, you know, you want to make sure you get that cape put on right. And, (laughs) you know, it's a fascinating role. But, I mean, my reflection on the whole thing was that a little bit like with uh, the late Queen last year, Mm. you know, the Church of England can put on a show when it needs to. Mm. Um, It really can. And, uh, you know, I'm sort of... I'm. I'm genuinely sort of split about it. I think 70% of me is like, it's great. It's wonderful. It's our culture. It's it's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. How great is it that prayer is at the heart of it? You know, 70% of me is like, this is wonderful. 30% of me is like, yeah. <laughs> but there's, you know, there's a whole bunch of other stuff going on that, that, um, that, yeah, that we could be focusing on. But then I, you know, it's, I don't want to be churlish about it. It was, um, it was an important day. Yeah. It's brought up. Quite a lot of questions about the church being part of the establishment, and yeah, uh, should they be now that most people don't go to the church and aren't don't identify as Christians? So yeah, all big questions there that I guess will be uh, thought through before the the next coronation. I dare say. Yeah, and I think, I mean, somebody put it like this, that, the, you know, the monarchy is evolving. Mm. You know, it has evolved a lot, I guess, in the 20th century, and it's continuing to evolve. And I think the Church of England and, you know, the place of sort of public religion continues to evolve as well. I, I don't think it'll, I don't think it'll just die out in a kind of revolutionary fervor. I think it'll it'll evolve and change and adapt and maybe become a little smaller and a little humbler, maybe. Um yeah, but, uh, but yeah, just these—it's a fascinating mixture between the tradition and um, and reflecting the diversity of modern life, you know. And I think that's that's yeah. what it reflected, really, wasn't it? Yes, I mean, I go to church every Sunday, and it's all very sort of uh, symbolic and bells and smells, a bit like the coronation was. Um, so a lot of people watching it must have been going, "What the heck is this?" <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> what are they doing? But you know, that that sense of mystery and otherness and even strangeness, you know, is um mm. 
it's something that we we crave i think in life you know we we don't want just yeah. things to be just sort of mundane and predictable and easily comprehensible all the time i think i think one of the reasons we watch movies and listen to music and and you know uh see spectacles of amazing things is because we want to be transported into a place of mystery and wonder mm. um yeah and uh yeah. you know i mean a great example of that is the eurovision song contest <laughs> <laughs> You know, maybe that's not a great. Did example. you watch that? I confess, I didn't, Rob. I, I'm I'm not a big fan of Eurovision, although I do value it because yeah. I think it does bring people together, and I think it's, it's a good laugh. And you know, I have nothing against it yeah. as such. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't really float my boat, but but I think people want that sense of you know wonder and and you know what could happen next, and you know that kind of something bigger than just themselves. I think, and uh, yeah, you know, there's yeah. interesting parallels there between religion and. And public spectacle. Yeah, yeah. So do you think maybe the next coronation might be a bit more like Eurovision? <laughs> That's a great, great uh, question, Rob. Um, uh, well, well, you know, let's wait and see, shall we? I wouldn't like to put a bet on it, but... Um... <laughs> Anyway, awe and wonder and mystery um, leads us on to our topic, I think, doesn't it, today for... For this podcast, Rob. Oh, it does. Yes. Before we get on, I just, I'm very excited, Martin. It's our first competition. <gasps> wow. Um, now, listeners have a chance to win Keith Ward's, it's a little book of guidance called What Do We Mean by God? One lucky listener can uh, get a copy of this. What they need to do is when this episode is shared on facebook or twitter if you can reshare it um with the hashtag god pod so it'd be hashtag god pod and um the winner will be picked by random <laughs> they'll be picked from random from the three entries there <laughs> <laughs> No, no, no. We, I'm sure we have more more listeners than that. So yes, yes. Well, I think we do. We we've had um, hundreds. We've oh, had we? oh, hundreds of listens so far. That's very exciting. all across the world. Even Ethiopia. Wow, that's amazing. Um, USA. Wow. Well, Finland. H- hello to everyone in those places. That's amazing. Yes. He- hello, everybody. I yeah. definitely don't have any friends in Ethiopia, I don't think. Not yet, anyway. But, I mean, I'll, maybe I'll make some through this podcast. So, well, that's great. Well, yeah, we'll do enter the competition then, and uh, that sounds like fun. Yeah, although I just saw the postage to some of these places. Is <laughs> it's going it's to come, come out of our massive production budget, isn't it, Rob? <laughs> yes, yeah. Right, okay. So, on to the main thing. First of all, Martin, I I think we have a duty to explain to those who uh, listeners who are new to Christian ideas what we mean by God. So that's what this podcast is all about. Mm. Um, and there are a lot of people out there who honestly believe, and I was one of them, that Christians believe in a bearded sky god. Mm. Um, and actually, only the other day. When I was on Twitter, uh, somebody actually said to me that I believed in a sky god. But it's, isn't it any wonder when people see 
images like Michelangelo's painting of the creation of Adam. You know, the yeah. one where Adam's just like yeah, yeah, yeah. lying back, chilling. And he's, <laughs> I love it because it's almost like he can hardly be bothered to lift his finger. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and God's sort of reaching out purposely. Yeah. I'm, it's a very famous painting, but yeah, for people who, ho- who don't know, I think it's Adam. Yeah. Is it Adam? Creation of Adam, yeah. Just lying down mm-hmm. naked on the earth, lifting his finger, and God's sort of depicted as this bearded man mm. um, reaching out from the sky. Um, yeah. Do you remember who the, the first person in space was? Yuri Gagarin. Yuri Gagarin. Yuri Gagarin, yes. that's it. Um, so he was reported to have said, I see no God up here. <laughs> which would have delighted the atheist communist regime at the time. Uh, well, quite. Um, but there's just this, we have this idea, certainly in the West, that... God is just above our head somewhere. Sure, sure. So if he isn't above our heads, which we now know because we've gone into space, where is he? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the the bearded sky god, yes, it can be accused of being belonging to a previous era, pre-scientific era, when it was thought that, yes, above the earth there was this... um, the firmament and above the firmament was the heavens and the, and that's sort of where god lived sort of up there you know so so before human yeah. beings got up there into space and things we looked up mm. at the sky felt wonder and thought well god must live up there um mm. now you know an anthropologist would probably say well you know that it's way more complicated than that but you know yes i the the, the critique is valid that it belongs to a pre-scientific worldview um in terms of so that's God living in the sky. In terms of God having a beard, well, I don't know quite what people have got against beards, <laughs> but uh, um, the 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 image. I mean, it, be, it might be worth pointing out where that image of the bearded sky god that we see in Western paintings comes from, and it comes from the Bible. It comes from Daniel chapter seven, where mm. um, the Son of Man comes into the presence of um, one who is called the Ancient of Days. Right, that's the phrase that's used, mm. um, and um, and you know it's not necessarily meant to be a literal description of something. It's a vision that the prophet has, but yes, um, it, the the beard, I guess, and the the maleness symbolizes both um, authority and power, which was were held to be you know male characteristics. Again, we're in a pre egalitarian age, um, mm. so so if you wanted to talk about authority power, um, uh, you know, sort of venerability, then you would depict an old man with a beard, right? Because they they actually, in their culture, valued old men with beards. They thought they were quite wise. These days, we tend to kick people like that into nursing homes and take the yeah. mick out of them, like Joe Biden, for example. You know, he's, everyone thinks yeah. it's okay just to laugh at him. So, mm. so, yes, there are severe limitations about seeing God as a male be bearded and see living in the sky. Um, but if you're going to say anything about God, then, you know, you're just going to come up with a whole bunch of other descriptions, which are equally problematic, I would say. Um, and we'll get on, I think we'll get on to some of that later. Um, but I suppose what they were trying to convey with that image 
um, was of someone who who was of of immense age. So um, someone who'd been around for a long, long, long time, indeed, um, who was eternal, right? So if you want to show that someone's eternal, well, you can't really show that, can you? How do you depict eternity? Um, so you, so showing someone who's very, 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 very old <laughs> is one yeah. way of doing it. Um, yeah. If you want to show someone who has authority in those days, yes, you would show probably a man. Um, hmm. And if you wanted to show that he lived and originated somewhere, and this is a really important point, if you wanted to show that that um, that God existed beyond what we can know and and see and control um, in the earth, that indeed God was beyond creation itself, then you would have to show him as existing in some other dimension or some other realm. So they they picked you know above the sky. They could have picked below the sea or something. Um, yeah, you know there are other other mythologies are available. Um, so so I think again there's the caricature, but then looking behind the caricature to to what what ideas were they trying to express, which may well have been true ideas, even if the image itself was flawed. Didn't the Jewish tradition they didn't depict God at all? Indeed, did they. Yeah, exactly, and. Well, the same with Islam. Mm. Um, no images of God. Yeah, yeah. Um, and in in the Jewish temple, what was it? The Holy of Holies. Yeah, it was just a empty space. Well, is that right? Was that God, the Spirit of God, or something? So, so what? Again, I think we touched on this a little uh, the other week. So, so what they're always trying to avoid the Jews, and very, very wisely is they're always trying to avoid idolatry. So they're always trying to avoid the idol. And idolatry is the worship of idols. So in the in the ancient world, people would make um, idols out of uh, you know precious metals or stone or wood. Um, and they would make an image of the god that they wanted to serve or, more often than not, the god that they wanted to do something for them, like make the crops grow or make it rain or you know, save them or something, right? So they would um, they would mm. make a little image of that. They would set it up as a little altar, and then they would pray to it and um, mm. and uh, and ask it to 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 do things for them. Um, that idea of idolatry of having a physical idol that you prayed to is absolutely verboten um, for for Jews um, and mm. indeed for Christians. Although it gets more complicated, as we will see. Um, and there is a great wisdom in it because um, it's picked up, um, and this is one of the things I think is really key when we're talking about God, it picks up on a key truth and a key insight, which is that God, by definition, isn't just another thing in the universe. And that is so important yeah. to get our heads around. Um, in the Middle Ages, there was something called apophatic theology. Um, and uh, because in the Middle Ages, people had all these images of God that we have and images of um uh, or images, full stop, were, were very fashionable in the Middle Ages. But there was a sort of reaction to that, which was apophatic theology, which always wanted to emphasize the things you couldn't say about God. So you would mm. approach God by what you couldn't say. So you can't mm. say that mm. God is created. That's not true, because God is the creator, right? Now, how did God? how is God the creator? Well, we don't know. But what we do know is that he's not one a part of creation. He's not... Um, He's not just another thing in the universe. And that's mm. a pretty good place to start. You know, if 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 God is God in any meaningful sense and not just an idol, then God must be beyond what we can depict or control or make or manufacture or manipulate. 
He must be beyond those mm. things. I, I've heard it likened to an author of a novel. Mm. You you wouldn't find the author in the novel itself. Yeah, absolutely. So just as God isn't an object in the universe, an author isn't a character within the novel that they've written. Yeah. Yeah, it's a really good analogy, and I like it because it's a creative analogy. You know, one of the mm. one of the key things that we hold about God is that He's Creator, um, and uh, you know, and maybe that's not a bad place to go next, I guess, because you know, you know, there are different pathways to God. I would say are coming to a belief in God, and I think one of the key things is creation. So, so we look at the world around us, we see the incredible. You know, and I use the word incredible literally in that, you know, it's hard to believe how amazing the world is and how Mm. unlikely the world is. Um, Mm. We look at that and we think, surely this can't just be an accident. Surely there must be some impulse behind this to create something of such dazzling beauty and such amazing diversity and such potential. Um, Surely there must be something behind it. So, So I think that's you know, and you know, it's a bit of a cliche, but you know, people see a wonderful sunset and it makes them feel something, which is like a religious impulse. Think, oh, I want to thank somebody for this. Um, mm. So, so that's one way I think in which people come to a belief in God is through through looking at creation um, and thinking, yeah, there must be something behind this. I don't know. If, does that is that ever struck you, Rob, as being a plausible? Yeah. Yeah. What I mean, why do we have that feeling? Why why would we have that feeling? Mm. It, it it just doesn't. It seems to, you know, normally we have feelings um, about things because they exist. <laughs> um, I can't mm. think of an example now. Like a bacon sandwich. A bacon sandwich. That's a great example. Yeah. So you can smell it. Um, you start salivating. Um, <laughs> uh, you, you start dribbling. Um, for any vegetarians or vegans listening, there are uh, bacon alternatives, I'm well, sure, indeed, that are just yeah. as nice. Avocado <laughs> on toast, I don't know. But um, uh, yeah, so you can, you can see the reason for that because you know it's going to taste really nice. And you're going to be satisfied um, with a full belly. Um, But why you would get that kind of feeling looking at a landscape, Mm. um, this breathtaking, I I don't, it's really hard to put into words, isn't it? But um, it is. And and that's key, though, I think, Rob, because because something is hard to put into words, difficult mm. to comprehend, difficult to understand. That in itself should give us a clue. Now, I know a scientist will say, well, it's just because we haven't got to the bottom of it yet. But which I would say, well, what if you never get to the bottom of it, right? Mm. What evidence have you got that you will ever get to the bottom of this, of, you know, the nature of awe, a human, mm. human awe and, and wonder at, at things that are beyond our, you know, that's not something, you know, that, that to me is, is is evidence of, of a kind, you know that you know we to go back to the bacon sandwich analogy. Um, 
you know, you want a bacon sandwich because a bacon sandwich is a thing, right? So mm. maybe maybe our yes. desire for yeah, God yeah. is there because God is also a thing, but not a thing like others. He's the he's yes. the he's the thingness of things. He's the you know, the the person that even you know well, I said person, which I'm not I'm leaping ahead to person, but, uh. but he's <laughs> he's the one that, that gives all things, in which we live and move and have our being, um, the Bible says. Yes. And that's um, St. Paul, isn't it? Well, interestingly, it's actually St. Paul quoting a proverb or a phrase about um, Zeus, we think, the Greek god, right? Yes. I, so, I learned this today, actually, in, in church. Oh, well, that's, mm. that's serendipitous. Yeah. <laughs> so it was, it was a phrase, and St. Paul appropriated it, you know, yeah. to speak about God, using the language of his culture around him. Yeah. Mm. So, so we've used a bacon sandwich, but it's not, not, quite, as, <laughs> not quite as poetic as St. Paul. But. No, it's not. In its own way, maybe, but no. Okay, so he's not an object in the universe. We've established that. We've said that we can kind of sense something when we uh, look at a beautiful landscape or a, or a sunset which seems to suggest that something may be there. So to answer where is God, so he's not above our heads. He's not within the universe. Is he outside the universe? Um, yes and no, I think. I mean, <laughs> uh, I, think, I think the simple answer is, is yes. I think, um, I think in order for God not to be constrained by the universe, um, God must have his... I say his, you know, God's origin outside the universe. Um, because in order, for, if God is creator, which, you know, again, I'm, 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 we, we have to say something about God. If God is the creator of everything that we see, he must be beyond it. There must have been a time when the, there was no universe. And, you know, science has theories about that, good theories about it, about the Big Bang that you know, the, we don't really know what was there before the Big Bang, but but there certainly was was something before the universe, some kind of potentiality, this this great condensed um, uh, energy, um, which then gave rise to all of this. Um, so so you know, we're we're able to sort of peer back in time a little bit. Um, so it, so if you like, God is is before time in that sense that you know the universe is exists along linear mm. time it's expanding um god is beyond that so if god is beyond time and before time um if that's not a contradiction in terms um then god can also be beyond space and i don't mean i don't mean outer space i mean the dimension of space um mm. and you know there's there's a whole bunch of you know speculation and and theorizing about about different dimensions and about what what might e- exist beyond uh, space time, um, there's all kinds of interesting theories about that. And I don't think there's any reason logically why something couldn't exist beyond space and time. Um, mm. There's a there's a wonderful wonderful song that I love by Leon Russell, uh, which is just called "A Song for You." And one of the most beautiful lines in that song, he says. Um, I love you in a place beyond all space and time. I love you for my life. You're a friend mm. of mine. And it's such a beautiful line um, because it, it, to me, it suggests that beyond space and time is actually love, right? That, that the, things, the thing that really mm. 
uh, makes life wonderful is is love. Um, and I'm skipping ahead a little bit, um, but uh... <laughs> yeah, stop it. <laughs> so going back to um, Zeus's quote <laughs> or, or Saint Paul's. Um, yeah, in him we live and move and have our being. So that seems to suggest that God is sort of part of the universe as well, does it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean the, the difficulty is, again, you know, you emphasize one thing and you end up going too far. It's, you're mm. holding a lot of things in balance, I think, when you try and talk about God. Right. Um, but, the, but, yeah, so just because God is beyond and not contained by, not constrained by um, creation, doesn't mean he's not invested in it. In fact, we would say as Christians that, you know, exactly the opposite. God is heavily invested. God is completely invested in, in his creation. He's not the sort of blind watchmaker or the, you know, the, the one that, that sort of, you know, uh, or a sort of what's called deism, which is the idea that God's um, sort of set everything in motion and then put his feet up for the rest mm. of eternity and, and has no has no truck with it. Um, uh, you know, that's certainly one option, but it's... Um, it's a rather bleak option, I think, for those of us who believe in God, um, because if if God is, you know, just made us and then wasn't actually particularly interested in what He'd done, um, you know, what 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 does that say about what God is like um, ethically or morally? Mm. Um, whereas for Christians, we believe, you know, and again, there are huge problems with this, but we believe in a God who cares about what He's created, um, and even though there are huge problems with that not least the problem of suffering, I would still rather believe in a God who cares than a God who doesn't care. Yeah. What I'd like to um, ask you is, who made God then? Well, yeah. I mean, exactly is what I would uh, is my answer to that. <laughs> who made God then? Um, and, you know, this goes back to our conversation about God being beyond space and time. So the answer is nobody made God. God there was never a time when God was not. Um, God is eternal. Mm. Um, now, we can't get our heads mm. around that because we can only imagine things in terms of a sort of linear time when, you know, you, you to go back to mm. the bacon sandwich, you know, before you, before you killed the pig and cured the bacon and cooked the sandwich, th- there was no pig and no bacon and no sandwich. Um, whereas God is the eternal bacon sandwich that has, that has always been <laughs> and, uh, and is always just, just the right crispiness. Um, <laughs> You never overdone, you know. <laughs> the eternal bacon sandwich. That's the Christian God. Right. That's the end of the podcast. Thanks for listening. Oh dear. It's a terrible thing to try and be profound, isn't it? Um But yeah. I mean and it's it's a question that is it does come up a lot, you know. Uh, and particularly children always ask that question, but who was before? Who made God? Who made God? They can understand that God might have made the world, but who made God? We can't conceive of of eternity. Our minds just can't handle it mm. because we we only get glimpses of it, and that's where you know music, art, uh, images, symbols, um, rituals can, can can transport us in a sense into a, a, a glimpse of eternity. Yeah, I often I I came to that understanding because, as I said in a previous podcast, um, all the symbolic stuff I I just really poo pooed, and I I was quite a rationalist, and I just thought it was nonsense and not needed. 
Um, but but I came to see that it's a kind of way of managing the unknown the, and uncertainty and the, the stuff we just can't put into words. Um, and it's really helpful. So, yeah, absolutely. The, the, um, a lot of people looking outside at religion would just see it as being people doing weird stuff. But actually, it's an attempt to hold those things together we've been trying to talk about. So, so the idea that God is beyond mm. all things and yet completely invested in all things, the idea that God is before all things and yet present with us, um, uh, the idea mm. that God is, uh, is eternal and yet is, is somehow um, part of history and part of human, the human uh, unfolding of human history and things. Um, how do we hold those things together? Well, you know, those are, are mind-boggling things. So, so religion and religious practice, uh, symbol, prayer, ritual are ways in which we try and hold together those very, very deep and mysterious things and not explain them away, actually, mm. but sit with them as a community um, in a bit of humility. That's religion at its best. <laughs> I, I want to move on to the nature of God um, yeah. and who is God, mm. if if God is a who. Um, but what, one of the reasons I came to believe in God was because of what's called the moral argument. We, as Christians, we believe there are objective moral values mm. um, uh, which basically means that they're not human made or subjective they come from outside ourselves and because as Christians we believe that God is the source of all creation we therefore believe that moral values come from God and point to the nature of God um, so some of the values Christians attribute to God are compassion, forgiveness, humility, honesty, integrity, justice, generosity, faithfulness. Um, and if we think of values, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Martin, I'm just, these are just my thoughts, what I've mm. come to, but um, if we think of values as a kind of triangular hierarchy mm. right at the top would be the value of love uh, the highest value the value that all other values derive from the fundamental value and this is why christians sometimes say god is love thomas aquinas uh who was who was he martin a bloke in from a long time ago <laughs> So he's the greatest sort of uh, medieval Catholic theologian. Yes, that's right. He he described God's love as the choice to will mm. the good of the other. Which we sometimes call altruism as well. Yes. In, in right. a human sense, yeah, which is an, another yeah, yeah. So did so what what do you make of my um thoughts there? I mean I, I would hundred percent agree with you. I think um I don't think it's it, it, in some ways, it's so um, 
it's so commonplace to argue that you know love is all you need uh you know that love is everything that that it's all about love it's so cliched Mm. almost to say that now and trite to say that now that we forget uh just how radical that is um because there are other values you know a little bit like vegetarian alternatives to the bacon sandwich are available (laughs) other values are available too right and and so things like power for example you know, mm. people have have thought that power was the the main value. It's just about getting, mm. you know, mastery over other people. That's what life is about. There's nothing greater than that. You know, that is a very pervasive idea. And there are people, dare I say it, who are at large in the world wielding rather a lot of power who would probably agree with that. Um, mm. People say that their you know race or nationality or or you know something is is uh, or their particular ideology. Um, to say that love is the the pinnacle of all values, as you put it, um, is quite a radical thing. Uh, and it, and it 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 was a radical thing in the time of Jesus, certainly, because I guess the Roman value, the highest value for them, possibly, was power. Um, yeah, possibly. And then you had these kind of weird people starting to say that no, it's actually love. It should be love because the the, the Romans, um, for instance, like charity. They were in Roman mm. society. Charity didn't exist. If they saw a beggar on the street, they saw it that that was the will of the gods. Um, and because they they viewed humans as the plaything of the gods, mm. um, it it was not their place, sort of thing, to um, disrupt people's fate, I guess. Whereas sure. when you had these weird little people called Christians turning up, um, trying to um, offer charity to mm. the homeless and the poor and the sick. It was a bit of a weird thing to be doing. Yeah, what possible advantage could it have for you? Yeah, um, I mean, I think we've got to be careful we don't present too much of a caricature of the classical world because I think, yes, probably power would be a thing, particularly for you know the Roman Empire and things. But but you know the Greek and particular um, classical civilization also valued things like wisdom and virtue. Um, so, so the, they they did they did intuit, I think, uh, and indeed had revealed to them some elements that we would share as as Christians. But yeah, I mean the 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 really but not love. Well, in not, that sense, not, not in love, the Christian sense, yeah. So, so use the word charity, which is really interesting because the word the charity is the Latin word. The Greek word would be agape. Um, which is the the love that desires the good of the other, as you said. Um, uh, so self-giving, self-emptying love, um, disinterested love um, that just mm. wants the good of the other person at great personal cost. Nothing in it for me, but I'm going to help you. Um, that, yeah, that was as radical then as I would say it is now. Um, mm. We... We tend to think charity these days. We think of it as you know, sort of do gooding, um, mm. uh, but really, I think it's the, Im- the the true charity, true agape love, is the impulse that leads to the do gooding, which is the um, which is the belief that if we're all made in the image of God, and God loves us all equally, and indeed, 
if God gave up his own life for us all, then who am I to do any less for someone else? And it's, it is still radical. It's still, it's still impossible, I would say, to live out without God's help, right? And that gives us a clue. You come back to, you know, we want to talk about what God's nature is, what God's mm. character is. Well, I believe that God's character is self-giving love. It's to give, uh, to give of Himself, God is giving. Mm. God is loving, endlessly. There's never a time when God is going to run out. God doesn't get compassion fatigue, right? Wow. He doesn't run out of 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 love. Um, I do. Well, you and me both, Rob, right? Because we're <laughs> we're we're finite individuals. God's reserves of of compassion never run run dry. How do we know that? Well, we need to talk about Jesus, Rob. <laughs> yes. So I guess we do as Christians. Um, so yeah, is Jesus God? Yes. Next question. <laughs> <laughs> well, let let me read to you right now. We we this is I I love this because it it, it what it will do. I think this little quote from N. T. Wright, okay, who's the New Testament mm. scholar, um, former Bishop of Durham. Um, uh, I think this will help us because it almost brings us back to the bearded sky god, or it brings us back to the god as a sort of you know just a big sort of person. But I believe with all my heart that God is a person, right? Um, so it almost brings us full circle, um, and it brings in, you know, some of those things, some of those, we've, we've talked quite a lot of abstraction tonight, actually, in terms of God as, you know, all the things that God is and isn't, but this is, anyway, this, I'll read you what N.T. Wright says and, and see what this does to our conception of God. Okay. So this is what he says. Okay. He says, my proposal is not that we understand what the word God means and manage somehow to fit Jesus into that. Instead, I suggest that we think historically about a young Jew possessed of a desperately risky, indeed apparently crazy vocation, riding into Jerusalem in tears, denouncing the temple, and dying on a Roman cross, and that we somehow allow our meaning for the word God to be recentered around that point. I think I get it. <laughs> so what so what he's saying and this is radical, right? What he's saying is we don't come up with a whole bunch of ideas about God. Oh God is omniscient, God is omnipotent. We don't come up with a whole abstract bunch of ideas and then think, yeah, but does Jesus fulfill those criteria? No. Instead we look at what Jesus actually did as a person, what he did, what he said, how he acted, um particularly in the manner of his death. Um, and we we look at that and we say, that's who God is. This is God. This is the this is the revelation of God. This is the word of the Lord to us. This is mm. this shows us what God is really like. And from from looking at Jesus, and again this is this is with the eyes of faith, from looking at Jesus, we can then uh fit everything else that we believe about God um into that conception. So so um so you know does it look like Jesus? Okay, then it could be God. Does it not look like Jesus? Maybe it isn't God, 
right? So, so the so to go back to our idea about mm. what the highest value is, um, if the highest value in the earth and in the whole of creation was um, was power, then we'd expect God to come and kick ours, right? That's what we mm. think God would do because it's all about power. He would come, subdue everyone, subject everyone, and we'd all be his just his minions, right? Mm. If if power was the main thing, right? If mm. uh, if something like honor was the was the greatest value, then he would he God would come and he would expect us all to um, to pay him homage, right? Um, and to make great statues to him and you know all that kind of stuff. Um, mm. But if the highest value mm. is love, then God would come among us as one who loves and one who gives his life in love, in agape love, in charity, in self-giving love. Um, and that's what I think we see in Jesus. Now, yeah, it's not that we don't see power or honor or, or, or truth or any, you know, lots of other things too. But the main thing that characterizes Jesus' ministry is love. And so, mm. so when when um, when Saint John and John's community write in John's letters that God is love, they've got it. They've understood it. They've they've made mm. that switch from seeing God as just uh, a source of power and strength and and to be sort of cowered before like the pagan mm. gods. Um, mm. They they've they've allowed they've made that switch that mental switch and and seen that in Jesus, um, they they. Uh, God is revealed totally. All that we mm. ever need to know about God is revealed in Jesus. Let me put it like that. It's mm. a big, big claim, right? Because Jesus was a human being. So how on earth can we say that? Aren't, aren't we being idolatrous? Yes. And aren't we? Are, yeah. yeah. Well, we're only we're only being we're only, and this is the great stumbling block for 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 the Jews, and it's and they're right to have this stumbling block, right? That if if um, how could a human being be God? Isn't that the 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 pinnacle of idolatry? Mm. How could one mm. of us be God? Um, surely that's got to mm. be wrong. Well, <sighs> only if only if um, if God isn't free to reveal Himself in whatever way He wants. Um, and in some ways, um, if if God made the universe as an act of love, as a pure pure act of love, um, then how how what could be more appropriate than God becoming that which He loves? For God so loved the world, He gave His only Son. That whoever believes in Him shall not die, but have eternal life. Right. So, um, so God becomes what He loves, becomes completely one, united with what He loves. Um, because God is love. It's beautiful. It's beautiful theology. I don't know if you're aware of this, but um, I kind of went into a, a Buddhism phase for a few years. Yeah. Um, uh, but I, I personally found it really unsatisfying. And I, um, that's not to say other people won't find it satisfying. Just for me, I found it unsatisfying because Buddhists do not believe in a personal God. Mm. And I felt like I couldn't fully express myself as a human. Gosh. So I couldn't cry out in desperation or be angry um, at the universe because, because the universe was indifferent to my suffering. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it, it didn't care. Um, so, as I said, I'm, I'm sure there are people that get a lot out of Buddhism, and I, I would still say there's a lot of wisdom 
in Buddhism. Uh, but for that time when I was, re- you know, my mental health was really suffering, I, I found it really stifling not being able to uh, express myself like that. But with the Christian God, at least, I could fully relate to the universe. And I do wonder, is quite, is it quite helpful thinking of uh, the fact that Jesus was a person? Um, you know, it kind of puts a human face to God. Yes, yes. And there's a, there's a book which is called that exact thing, The Human Face of ah. God. Um, I think it's profoundly helpful. It's profoundly helpful. Um, you know, some people would, would say that God is this kind of force. You mm. know? And, and it's because, I think, a little bit like Keith Ward wants to, or a little bit like going back to the Jewish thing, because they want to avoid idolatry and projection. You know, you just imagine your your perfect dad or something and you project that onto God. Well, you know, okay, let's let's not do that. But let's not throw out the idea of a personal God completely just because just because we might be projecting mm. a bit. Who knows? Maybe we're not projecting. Maybe we're actually reflecting yes. um, the truth of yes. who God is. You know, the disciples asked you, how should I pray? And Jesus said, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Um, you know, he taught us to call mm. God Father. Mm. And, and, yet, and yet we, you know, well, I mean, that, you know, that's always been sort of good enough for me. Now, I know not everyone has a... I know fatherhood itself isn't isn't um, isn't entirely straightforward, uh, but let me. I mean, I, I read something today which I find really helpful, which I'll read yeah. to you if I may. This is from Rowan Williams, who's always helpful. This is what he says about about God as Father, and this, you know, it's an important. It's one of the key metaphors, I think, in in the Bible. Um, he says this: the cry to God as Father in the New Testament is not a calm acknowledgement of a universal truth about God's abstract fatherhood. It is a child's cry out of a nightmare. Mm. It is the cry of outrage, fear shrinking away when faced with the horror of the world, yet not simply or exclusively protest, but trust as well. Abba Father, all things are possible to thee. Wow. It's a really wonderful quote. I love that. You know, it's not about God's abstract fatherhood. It is the child's cry out of a nightmare. Oh, it's so powerful. Isn't it? Yeah. Isn't it just? Yeah, really powerful. And yes, powerful. it's protest. And yes, it, yes, it's it's saying the world is hard and scary and doesn't make sense, but it's trust as well. Mm. Um, and that's what we need. It's what we need in the world. We need... We need to trust again. We need to learn to trust again. Just because people have let us down, just because people have been untrustworthy, doesn't mean that trust isn't of value, right? Mm. It's about who you trust and why. Mm. And what Jesus says is, you can trust me. And look, I'll show you that you can trust me. And I'll, I'll, I'll die on the cross to show you that, that, that you can trust me, you know? And that, that's a God I want to follow. Yeah. You know, in gosh. the end, that's the God I want to follow. Not not an abstract God of speculations, not even the God of beautiful sunsets, right? The God I want to follow is the one who, as N.T. Wright says, mm. you know, die, dies for me. That's the God I want to follow. Mm. Mm. Beautiful, beautiful. And um, more importantly, Martin, why did Abba decide to call themselves Abba? <laughs> it's because they were called Anifred. 
Bjorn, Benny, and uh, the other one. Oh, was it? I I have no Ag- idea. Agmathon. I'm sure was, ABBA fans are just um, shouting right now. Yeah, it's an acronym of their first names. Oh, I see. So it has nothing to do with uh, the the word ABBA. ABBA meaning God. Well, I think it's it's a you know it's a it's a happy coincidence, perhaps. <laughs> I do like a bit of ABBA. Do you know you know the ABBA song "Thank You for the Music"? Thank you for the music. Yes, I do. I do. Yeah. Do you know it sounds like a prayer of thanksgiving to God? If you listen to the lyrics, I don't. I know nothing about the song. It it may not be anything to do with that, but it does yeah. sound like she she says, "Thank you for the music, the songs I'm singing." I can't remember the rest. Uh, the joy, the yeah, joy yeah, yeah, they're giving. Yeah. <laughs> like, who's she thanking? I don't know. If any listeners know, do write in. <laughs> um, right. I think we've gone pretty far with God. And I think next time we go a little easier on our listeners and discuss an easier topic. Um, but thanks very much, Martin. Thank you. See you next Bye, time. Bye, dude. Catch up soon, man. Bless you, dude. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to God Botherers. If you would like to get in touch, please contact us at godbothererspodcast at gmail.com. It would help us immensely if you could rate, like, subscribe and share our podcast on whatever social media platform you use. Join us next time when we discuss what going to church is all about. See you then. Thank you.